Hey, hey, hi, hello, hi, everybody. Hey, it's me, Jeff. I'll never get the intros right. I will never do it right. But it's me, it's me, Jeff May from Jeff Has Cool Friends, which is literally the show you're listening to right now. Uh, I am very excited to be rejoined by my very cool friend. You may have heard him on the previous incarnation of this show. He is one of my favorite people. He's an actor, podcaster, general multi-hyphenate, and incredible super nerd. Give it up for the hilarious and fantastic Michael McMillan, everybody. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Uh, you are one of my delightful um, bump-ins in which I run into you all the time because our interests are eerily aligned. It's true. If there is a dusty, carded action figure from the 1990s, Either Witchblade related or X-Men 92 related. If that is hanging in a store on some back shelf, then it's likely that you and I will run into each other there. We're going to meet cute when we each grab it to gra- <laughs> be like, ooh, I didn't get this extreme. Yeah. And then, you gra- and then we both grab it and we're like, whatever no, happened uh- to the Max? Remember the Max? The Max, for those of you that are not aware, the Max was uh, one of the second wave of Image Comics uh, books. It was a psychological superhero thriller by Sam Keith, uh, whose brain is fun. And it was adapted by MTV in a uh, slightly rotoscoped animation style uh, for their second version of MTV's oddities called The Max, the first version. Look at this walk-in Nerdopedia right here. Uh, it went it, it went for a good amount of issues, uh, not, not an uh, unimpressive amount. One of the better runs of Image Comics, because everything in Image was like four issues, and then we got burnt out. Yeah. Was The Max... A rabbit inside of a superhero, a giant rabbit inside of a superhero costume. There's so much that's intersected and confusing about that, which is what Sam Keith wants. Um, I don't know, like if you've ever read a comic written by Sam Keith, no matter what's happening, it's going to explode your brain. Was Um, Sam Keith like... Is he the David Lynch of 90s comics? He kind of feels it. Uh, and and it's funny too because he they brought him back to do um a two or three issue run of Spectacular Spider Man in the two thousands, where he basically came across a little girl that turned out to be uh, a chunk of Sandman's psyche. Like Sandman was like obliterated, and like he regrew chunks of his psyche as like little characters all over the place. It was basically the Max with Spider Man in it. That that rings a bell. I think I read those. Was that a uh, Paul Jenkins. I think story? Sam Keith. I think Sam Keith might have written it too. Fair enough. Uh, Apologies to Sam Keith. But if he, um, if you aren't familiar, Sam Keith did all those really uh, incredibly weird Marvel Comics presents covers with Wolverine, where Wolverine yes. was uh, really hairy. He yeah he really he really knocked up the 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 hairy visceral aspect of of Wolverine. He they ma- he made him look almost like an ape. He he made him um, look like a living pubic area. Like that's he true. was just like a, a big it was like if a if a 70s turgid phallus with claws. Dad's penis was turned into a superhero. That's that's how he drew Wolverine. That's how Wolverine was, yeah. Especially with the gritty teeth. Yeah, there was like a good there was a short run there, a short while there where Wolverine was just a living embodiment of dad's dick. Yeah, which is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um I so uh interestingly enough, and I'm actually very embarrassed because this is actually one of my favorite writers, but it totally makes sense that this was the story. The writer of that story, the Peter Parker Spider-Man by Sam Keith, Zeb Wells. Oh, Zeb Wells, uh, who is currently back on Amazing Spider-Man. Zeb Wells is one of my favorite Spider-Man writers of all time. He's certainly, in my opinion, the most underrated Spider-Man writer. Um, definitely tied into the comedy, I think, more than most people have. Yes, yes. He actually makes Spider-Man funny. And uh, also very excited because soon we'll be reunited or united for the first time, perhaps, with, the, of course, the greatest Amazing Spider-Man artist of all time who's coming back to the book. I'm speaking, of course, not Steve Ditko, 
Not John yeah. Ramita. That would be tough. But John Ramita Jr. JRJR. JRJR's coming back, baby. I just picked up his um, Thor, the Hero's Return uh, cover. Did you know he did Thor? Oh, Thor. Uh, I thought you said four. Yes, that was great. I liked that run. That was Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr. Man, people are going to be like, what the f*** are these I guys know. I'm about? coming in strong with the references today. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, and, and here's a, a, a fun thing. Do you know who Zeb Wells' uh, wife is? I should know this. Because I think I did know, and now I've forgotten. Remind me, please. It's Heidi Gardner from SNL. Yes, yes, yes. I did know that. Who, Heidi, I believe, don't know her, calling her by the first name, never met her. I believe she's from Kansas City or the Kansas City area of where, like, near where I grew up. I'm from KC as well. I absolutely love Kansas City. It's a good town. I. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, it's where I met uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite fans. I mean, I, all of my fans are my. You favorite. have a favorite fan? I have a few. Do you keep in touch, pen pal style? Well, he actually uh, shout out to Norm from Cheers. Who he's the one that he finds all the curses and he sends them to me, um, so that uh, my editor doesn't have to listen straight through again and do time marks of when it comes out. <laughs> Um, he does it for me, which is just... Uh, Wait, are we so not allowed cool. to swear on this podcast? We totally can. Okay, As a matter of fact, it's better because people on the Patreon get to, to hear those swears. And people that don't want to give me any money, they get beeps, baby. They, they're getting beeps? You get, you got to pay for the for, for me to say You're getting paid. You, you ha- there's a paywall to access the filth? Yes. Now, that's an interesting choice. I don't. We don't have to go too far behind the curtain, but you just don't want to... Offend anyone? I'll tell you why. I stole that from Alex Schmidt and his secretly incredibly fascinating. He's very delicate and kind and a very good person and won Jeopardy a bunch of times, but also just a very nice and funny man. And he bleeps it out. And I guess that keeps it so that that doesn't have to be a mature... It doesn't have to be like a, an R-rated right, podcast. an explicit and, podcast. It, it makes it more accessible. And also... Because of the situation that I'm in it, with the Patreon and how I have to get stuff out and like the frequency with it and everything, I had to do, I had to come up with as many ways to make the Patreon unique as possible. Got it. Um, so All that right. helps. Uh, you are right, by the way, Heidi, Heidi Gardner, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. There you go. Um, I performed at a, at a, at the theater in the back of, or the viewing room, I don't know, of a barcade in Kansas City. Was it North Kansas City? I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. I think it's too much information you're asking okay. for me. I went there on a train six years ago. What do you want from me? I want to make this the most specific and nuanced and niche reference podcast episode of all time. Uh, I feel like we could do that. What was I going to say? I, I, we, there's like a, I think it's called like the Power and Light or something. There is, and this is a Power and Light district. Kansas City is wild because they have a mall that is bars. Yep. This is all bars. Yep. And it's all different bars. And you can like you can leave a bar and go into a different bar. It's like the Grove. Again. Yes. Oh, sp- so or the Americana. There it is. At the brand. It's like an outdoor mall, but it is all bars and sports bars and then live live music venue bars. It feels to me like there's a lot of assaults that should happen there. I generally avoid that area if I can. I mean, look, it's a really popular, it's revitalized downtown. Downtown, when I was growing up in Kansas City, there was nothing going on. I would go down there in high school to go to comedy sports and watch improv. Um, I think Jason Sudeikis used to perform there when uh, he was still performing comedy sports there when I was in high school. So I saw some of the greats. But uh, other than that, there was really nothing going on down there. It was one of the reasons I wanted to get out of Kansas City was because it was like, this is boring. And since then, they've really put some cool stuff down there. There's also like... They injected some liquor. They did. They put liquor back in. Um, Sadly, there was a really great Alamo Draft House theater that closed during the pandemic that was right across the street from the Power and Light District. Really cool restaurants being put in. The Crossroads District is really cool. Good little art scene now. The River Market area is fantastic. They got a cool like trolley. A streetcar came back. So it's now when I go back and hang out with friends, we go downtown all the time because there's cool stuff to do there, and the suburbs are boring. There was a Burger King bar 
in Kansas City. Oh, really? I haven't seen that. There was a Burger King bar. There was a Burger King that served alcohol. and They just opened a Taco Bell cantina down not too far from there, I think in Westport. That I feel like Kansas City is just like a test market for alcoholism. Like, what can we get away with That's for drunks? That's how, you know, I got in touch with alcohol. <laughs> That's westward expansion, baby. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's like St. Louis, because St. Louis is considered, what, the gateway to the West. Yeah. Kansas City's like, well, we're like that, but we're like the bar. Yeah, the, the gateway, the gateway to, the to sadness. Yeah. The, yeah. The Existen- gateway to the, existential the, next day, next day existential anxiety. Yeah, it feels like Kansas City has a lot of like Bruce Springsteen being played in cars while people are just thinking about driving anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. Although, like that's, I said, it's gotten better. <laughs> agreed. And and to, to be fair, I actually I love Kansas City. I, that's I how this conversation like, started, Jeff. No one's denying it. There are cities that I love for different reasons, and Kansas City I love just because every ounce of my time spent in kansas city was pretty friggin' fun yeah like like it was really great and well you get to be you get to be fun comedy uncle who just rolls into any town usa and have a good time and then leave kind of i mean i'll put it this way i was recently on a comedy trip uh i was on a comedy trip with with valerie my partner and uh she was headlining and i was opening for her great no notes uh but when we got there, like we were kind of like stranded, <laughs> like because it was kind of in the woods. It was great. It was at Savage Henry, which is a beautiful area in the redwoods up in Eureka, California. Eureka but, like, a- is spooky. There is a weird. Sorry if you're from Eureka, but if 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 you are, you know this. There's a weird vibe around Eureka. Let's keep the, going. I want to. Well, this is actually going to tie into. Uh, something that you do because this is fascinating so we get there and we're kind of stuck in this like comedy condo like kind of an airbnb thing that was like just a little shady like it was fine but like it was just like there's one weird smell in here and i don't know what it is uh i felt like we were kind of trapped and if we wanted to do anything it was like oh you want to go do something that's going to be a hundred and forty dollars because you need to you need to get a ride and you need to pay the ticket to go into the their zoo uh or whatever but that town obsessed with bigfoot oh yeah they are obsessed yeah they see bigfoot on a frequent basis i went on stage and i was like so we all like we know he's not real right like we like we get that and they were like genuinely upset that i said that i'm like no no i get that you make money off of it but this is like a town wide conspiracy that we all agree to that you're putting bigfoot on everything but you know he's not real and they're like and i was like oh am i not supposed to did i did i upset the cryptids here yeah i think well i have a i have a number of feelings oh do Uh, you co-host of bigfoot collectors club yeah look is bigfoot real i don't know i don't believe in bigfoot in the i think most people when they think about bigfoot they think of Bigfoot as the like Santa Claus, you know, mascot cartoon character. Like there's one solitary fable folk folk tale Bigfoot who's like walking around with like a bindle and pet Just one dude and petting raccoons and being this like magical entity that walks around the woods. And and which is true. Yeah. He's like and, he's like Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like Logan up in the Canadian wilderness. I just, I guess Wolverine's first appearance had kind of a Bigfoot like character in the Wendigo uh, as his first appearance. Exactly. So I guess it, yeah. I, I get it. Well, the yeah. and also it's interesting because the Marvel Comics version of Wendigo is more like Bigfoot than the actual legends of Wendigo. Yeah. Um, more just like a like a like a a zombie that smoked crack. Yeah, Wendigo. Yeah, exactly. Is like a zombie deer, you know, that walks on its hind legs and has flesh hanging off its face. Um, human flesh. Yeah, that was uh, what was the was what was the movie that came out Antlers. recently? That was Antlers. Yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, I had some, some notes, but some quality Plemons in there. Yeah. Oh, performances are great. I go, Carrie Russell, good in everything she does. Great creature design. I totally recommend. I, I felt like there were some 
things that were cut out of the script that probably for time that I thought maybe were missing story-wise. But anyway, I digress. So Bigfoot. Looks like someone's not going on Antlers 2. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I just, damn, just blew my audition for Antlers 2. Uh, Bigfoot, I do think it's possible that there is some sort of relic hominid or very almost of an extremely endangered species that migrates into different areas that's very intelligent that keeps away from human civilization something is going on there i i will say this after 5 years of doing this podcast bigfoot collectors club mm-hmm. and hearing stories and doing research i'm sure 95% of it is bull but something is there you go there's a, there's a beep if you didn't pay for the paywall, you don't know what followed this the syllable. No, you bowl. could have said you could have said anything. You could have said uh, prick. I could have no, said that one. I, I could know. have said bull. F- and they, you, you know, said, there's another beep. You could have said. Uh, I, I could have. You could. No, I wouldn't go don't. that far. <laughs> please though. Don't, let's not do that. I hope I they say in the real. Hard I hope ones. they you said bleep that, that in the paywall. <laughs> Just, they there should be a second tier in the Patreon. For every yep. time you say, yeah, like a thirty-five dollar a month. Your favorite access. fan is either having a great time right now or having the worst time. But let's I save some trouble. There's something to this phenomenon. There's something to the Bigfoot phenomenon, and I don't think it's just a bear. And I'm not saying the Patterson Gimlin film, the famous sixteen millimeter footage of Patty walking yeah, through. That's the- how I walk, by the way. Yeah. That's how I regularly walk. That's how I walk when I'm like coming in from a dog walk and I'm like about to crap my pants. Yeah. No, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I look like I walk like the old Bigfoot video and everyone's like, what? I'm like, you know, the one, you know, the one I, I'm not saying that's real. I can give you compelling thoughts on why it probably or why it could be. Um, But I think there's something there's something to this. Uh, this whole Bigfoot thing. I don't know what it is, but uh, I can't discount it completely. What about the skunk ape? You think that's just a guy that lives in the Florida Everglades? It's possible, but I here's the other thing that I think is, especially when it comes to these Florida cryptid stories, where there's like, you know, especially in the South, they see a lot of like big cats, like jungle cats that shouldn't be hanging around in the continental United States. There's some footage I've seen that is definitely hoaxed about the skunk ape. There's some photographs. If you Google Mayaka skunk ape, there's photographs that an old lady took of something that she saw in her backyard. And you can see it's lifting its head. There's eye shine. Um, Now, could this be hoaxed? Yes, but it looks like a suit. The Mayaka skunk ape picture go go yeah. from one to the other. Suits don't reflect eye shine like that, my friend. Unless they want them to reflect eye shine. The um, it also kind of looks like an orangutan. It's definitely it's terrifying for sure. Yeah, um, I always feel like it's funny because like Bigfoot, you know, there's so many versions of there's so many versions of the character. He's been rebooted so many times. Yes. Um, b- uh, but I always feel like when Florida's like, we got one too. It's like, well, come on. Like, Well, the Florida thing is tough because it? as we've all learned from Tiger King, there's a lot of illegal animals <laughs> being bought and sold and put in zoos. So I think, I think sadly it's possible that some of those sightings are like escaped primates that are now surviving out in, in, in the swamps. But a guy you, hanging out. Alligators and What's that? It's the crocodile Dundee of orangutans just eating alligators. Yeah, or I don't know, but um, there's definitely fo- there's some footage that I've seen where I'm like, that actually looks like a gorilla hanging out in the swamp. I don't know, man. I, I don't know, but anyway, that Mayaka skunk ape photo. She wrote into the, I think, called the police, or she was like, I think there's an escaped orangutan from a zoo. She wasn't even trying to be like, I got skunk ape on camera. She was just like, what is this thing? And people people ran with it. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it's tough. There's so much bullshit out there, but the stories are fun. 
I wanted to ask you, because obviously Bigfoot Collectors Club is a podcast that talks about cryptids uh, and the paranormal, uh, which I kind of steer clear of. I, I'm not a big, like, I don't believe in ghosts or anything yeah. like that. Um, but I'm wondering where you are on the skepticism scale of cryptids. So I'm going to ask you about a couple. Uh, oh, and, okay. Uh, I'm going to see uh, what what your belief in that is, okay. uh, whether or not, like, yes, no, maybe. I mean, everything would be maybe, I guess, in a situation like that. But, like, for the percentage-wise. Okay. Like, um, so first and foremost, uh, Bigfoot. You Are you probably i i think as i said there's something in, in the the mascot the t- traditional cartoony bigfoot the idea that there's like one mythical hairy man roaming the wilds of california no uh the possibility for some sort of relic hominid where the uh species is intelligent enough to avoid humanity avoid civilization um, and I'm talking like, you know, close relative on the evolutionary tree to humans. H- good at hiding out. Maybe there's like just a few thousand of them still in existence. Possible. Can't rule it out. Um, yeah. do I full, full on believe hard- hardcore believe in any of this stuff? No. But again, I've heard enough stories and read enough stuff that I'm like, there's something to this. It's not just all, all hoaxes. Fair enough. Do you? Uh, how about the Jersey Devil? Jersey Devil's bull. Jersey Devil. We haven't done an episode on the Jersey Devil yet, but Jersey Devil was was like a story to my, in my memory. The Leeds Devil. Now the Pine Barrens, where the Jersey Devil is said to dwell, is a very interesting area and i think a pretty spooky area featured in a very famous episode of the sopranos and anywhere you have which like, one <laughs> you know the one anywhere there's there are there's like a vast forest there's you know forests are ripe for ghost stories cryptid stories superstition samurai movies yes yeah, samurai movies Huge. great great um but um the Leeds devil stuff the Jersey Devil, I believe, was created as a story. And again, I'm p- really paraphrasing this because I kind of have to go back and read all this stuff. But basically, it was a smear campaign, I believe, for a political that a political opponent wrote about another political opponent, basically saying, like, this guy's family tree is cursed because one of his ancestors gave birth to a devil that now runs around the Pine Barren. So you shouldn't vote for yeah. them. It was like this was in 2008. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's there's a there's a there's a problem with these stories where you get into it's kind of like we're experiencing right now with all this QAnon shit and all the yeah. you know conspiracy- a lot of Fox Mulders wanting to believe. Yeah, well there was also there's just like, you know, there's so much intentional misinformation and disinformation out there on the internet right now. You know, 150 years ago, that was like with yellow journalism, that stuff was was rife in newspapers. So a lot of people will point to like, look, there was an article about a a mystery airship flying over Ohio and it dropped an anchor that like ran, you know, that like wrecked this farmer's barn. And so a lot of modern day UFO researchers will be like, look, they reported this in the paper back then. But there were a lot of fabricated stories like that back then to help sell the newspaper and keep it interesting. It was almost more like a tongue-in-cheeky thing. Muckraking. Yeah, a lot of muckraking and that kind of stuff. And I think Jersey Devil Falls, even though it, you know, it date, dates back a few hundred years, I think a lot of that is just fodder for muckraking and, uh, uh, again, political um, politics. <laughs> I love, I, I love uh, that really great explanation of that i was not expecting such a deep and and strong information but then i'm like oh yeah you do this buddy i'm telling you (laughs) four and a half years of doing this podcast do you believe in the jackalope no i have i have one hanging in my living room uh but but i do no that's That's a taxidermy prank that's a taxidermy prank that's a like that's like a truck driver joke you know what i mean remember uh remember america's funniest people when they just had the jackalope 
Oh, that's right. I mean, I adore the jackalope. The jackalope is great. It's a great mascot. It's a fun joke. Um, but yeah, no, it's not obviously not real. Uh, let's see. The Loch Ness monster. Unfortunately, I think um probably not real. They've been doing a lot of environmental DNA studies in the lake, which is a new way of collecting DNA in a given environment that will <laughs> The people around her are like, please don't. <laughs> yeah, they're please, like, um please, could please. you not They got a lot of hits um for for eel in the lake. And there's theories that it might be a giant eel or a school of eels. That's somehow scarier. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some big animal in there. And if you think about, like, you know, you hear stories of river monsters. And um, by monsters, I mean, like, giant catfish and giant alligator. I think it's very possible there's, like... People from New Orleans. People from New Orleans. It's possible that there's something like that. A plesiosaur, probably probably not. Um, And a lot of the photos were hoaxed. But some of the original stories are really compelling. The, the 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 period where in the 1930s when people were like actually seeing this thing come out of the lake and you know there was like a husband and wife who had a swerve a lot of around unsolved it. mysteries uh, recreations of that. I remember. Yeah, that stuff is really compelling, and I don't know what there is to that. But currently, no, I don't think so. Was there ever? Probably not. Um, however, I will say. That there was a period where Aleister Crowley was living, a famous magician uh, and you know, ritual magician, chaos magician, was 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 living in a house near there and doing lots of incantations where he was trying to bring other dimensional entities into our plane of oh, reality. This could be like a, a Lovecraftian demon. Yeah, so there's there are fun theories that the Loch Ness monster is sort of a. Lovecraftian creature that Elder God Crowley brought forth and f- forgot to banish, and it's just living or living in the lake still. Man, of course, that's why these stories are fun, and that's why I like reading about them. Right? Um. So, uh, I love. I I would kill for somebody to be like, I thought we would be talking about True Blood. Like some <laughs> listener just being like, I thought he was going to talk about True Blood, and then they went twenty five minutes on the Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of plesiosaurs, uh, of a related thing, do you believe in the Megalodon? I mean, it's that, I mean, I haven't done a lot of research, but seems plausible that maybe there's some giant sharks still in existence today. I mean, they're sharks are prehistoric animals. Alligators are prehistoric animals. You know, else a prehistoric animal, by the way, the Flintstones. There you go. So I'm just putting it out there. Did you read the Flintstones comic? The the one that DC put out when they try to make like all the Hanna Barbera characters sexy, yeah. No, I didn't. Was it good? Was it fantastic? Fun? Really? You can borrow my copy. It's unbelievable. It's like one of my favorite comics that they've ever. Put Why out. haven't they successfully rebooted? I feel like the Hanna Barbera canon, that whole catalog is like ripe for. Okay, they do make. They make the Jellystone cartoon correct. Th- they make like kid. They make kid stuff. They make like all ages books as well, and every once in a while, they um, DC will do crossovers with um, like Looney Tunes characters, which is another property that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Hanna Barbera stuff, like when they redid, they made like regular Scooby Doo comics for all ages, but then they also did like the the Scooby Apocalypse, uh, which was like really cool. And this Flintstones one, which is unbelievable, and people got so mad, and it was like all these old dudes that were like, Figures. "This is the Flintstones that I grew up with," right. and it's like, yeah, because nobody buys that. Yeah, well, like it's, these are cereal commercials I mean, now. That's all they yeah, are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was like they were there to sell cereal and cigarettes. It's, yeah, but now it's like try to tell a kid now that the vitamin and cereal box cavemen used to have a primetime cartoon and they'll be like what the f- are you talking about um oh right there is a literal flintstone cereal i forgot about that yeah <laughs> yeah Fruit, fruity pebbles yeah. and and flintstones vitamins those are the two things that kids know the flintstones yeah they're branded for. with that i used to watch the flintstones every morning before school right it is it is a fun thing where like there is all this there are all these characters that you could finally tell good stories with you know scooby-doo i I haven't read the apocalypse one but seems to me 
There is a version, there is a Riverdale or Buffy the Vampire Slayer version of those characters that would be a massive cultural hit yeah. if they could if they could do it right. So it's funny because on Tom and Jeff Watch Batman over on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, um, we just recently did the um, Scooby-Doo Batman crossovers from the 70s. Love and, those. Uh, unhinged, fully unhinged. I loved, I loved every second for it, uh, of them. And a lot of the fans were telling us about how they like rebooted them in the 2000s to make them more like tongue-in-cheek and very clever. And I love that for the property for the scooby-doo property i i like that you can do genuine versions of them and then you can do the like played up camp versions and then you could also do like the riverdale version which is more of like the let's add a little grit and just see what happens i mean like let's see what happens with this group dynamic here you know like yeah. uh let's really get into the there's so many love triangles that could happen and you could find a cool way to get around the talking dog. I'll tell you what. I actually, during the pandemic, watched Scoob. The, oh, yeah. When that, that was like one of the first movies yeah. that was released direct to streaming. And I was like, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, please give this to me. And I, I, didn't I actually it. enjoyed it okay. It's It was tough getting around the different voices a little bit. But that's just because they're so ingrained. But... It was fun. I liked that they brought in like Dynamut and was Dynamut in that one or was it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see Blue Falcon and Blue Dynamut. Falcons yeah. in it. They brought in like some of the other C Captain Caveman's in it. They brought in like some oh, of the other Hanna Barbera verse characters, and I I really enjoy that. You know, it's sort of a universe where like Jabberjaw exists here. Yeah, Josie and the Pussycats exists. I'm assuming Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, was one of my favorite uses of Hanna Barbera um, when they did that. Did you watch that on on um, Adult Swim? On Cartoon I Network? watched parts of it. I watched uh, Space was Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Space Ghost Coast to Coast was, was Hanna Barbera, right? Sister. Yeah, yeah. I watched a lot of that. I didn't watch as much of the Harvey Birdman. I would suggest giving it a watch. It's absolutely fantastic. It's basically Harvey Birdman is a lawyer, and he deals with the problems of various Hanna-Barbera characters that would have arisen That's in great. an adult-themed. So, like, you know, Shaggy and Scooby get arrested for possession. I love that you're selling me on a 15-year-old show. It's like a 20-year-old show. <laughs> nice try on the 15, but it is much older. Wow. No, uh, it's great. Uh, uh, do, 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 we got there. How about the Mothman? Mothman is really interesting. Mothman is, if you want like a David Lynch, Mothman is the David Lynch cryptid story. Um, <laughs> the original book by John Keel, The Mothman Prophecies, is an awesome read. It's a little. I believe that was actually by, uh, was it Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> that was the. The butterfly effect? Was that what that oh, was? Then, okay, okay, that's what it was. <laughs> Never mind then. Actually, uh, I would like to see a movie where Ashton Kutcher plays John Keel. John Keel was this investigative journalist in the 60s who was walking around America and studying all these weird things. And he had a theory called the, uh, the super spectrum theory that some of these entities, he was trying to explain, okay, why can't we find bodies of Bigfoot and why can't we... And he came, kind of came up with this idea that just like there are multiple spectrums that our eyes can't see or hear or, you know, that our senses can't pick up, like infrared and X-ray and, why, you know, there's Wi-Fi signals being beamed around. Of course, they didn't have Wi-Fi back then, but he kind of came up with didn't. this. He kind of came up with this idea that some of these entities might just be from parallel dimensions that are literally overlapped with our own dimension and that we can't typically see or hear, but sometimes slip in and out of our reality and sort of like that they, ex like they exist, but they exist in a way that just our limited senses can't typically see them. But they, they get into a little bit of that in Mothman, but it's great. The Mothman... Yeah, I love the idea. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, just the idea that there is just like corpses laying around and just like tripping over like invisible Bigfoot corpses, but they're just everywhere. Yes, yeah, they're all just littered. Just, just, just tens of thousands yes, yes. Per, per square mile of just invisible, 
uh, cryptid. Yeah, you're corpses. you're probably sitting next to an invisible Bigfoot body right now, and you don't just, even know it. Just decomposing. There's a Bigfoot like funeral happening here. in your bedroom right now, and you just, just don't whole, know. I can I can just I can faintly hear Bigfoot bagpipes going off yes. in the background. Yes. Oh, this one was a cop. This was a cop. <laughs> but anyway, we the, should write a cop Bigfoot script. Yes. The there you go. Make a note. That so Mothman prophecies. It's all. It's a cool read because it's like him walking around investigating these witnesses of this giant black flying entity with red eyes, and it all culminates in this disaster where the silver bridge collapsed uh, a week before Christmas, and a lot of people died. And so this idea was that they were seeing this harbinger of doom. But there's all this other weird stuff that was happening around the time. Men in black showing up in town. UFO, that was going to be one of my questions. UFO sightings. Uh, really weird, trippy, 1960s <laughs> Who knows... This is also around the time MK Ultra was happening, and that is a real thing. Maybe this town was getting dosed and didn't know it by the CIA. Who the f*** knows? But the book is a really fun read. A little dated. He spends a little too much time describing every woman's body that he encounters in this town, so it's a little... You gotta, you gotta write what you know. Yeah, he's clearly his editors wanted him to sex it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. With some some nice '60s sex, yeah. The Mothman. It's a weird story, and they're currently seeing for the past couple of years they've been witnessing something in the Chicago area that's very similar to the Mothman. It's just Michael Jordan just being <laughs> bored, fly walking into a yeah. field and then flying into this guy doing yeah like tomahawk slams. <laughs> uh, yeah, this Bigfoot. I mean, this guy, this Mothman right here, he can he can dunk from the foul line. He's a great He's wild. That's yeah. unnatural. <laughs> yeah, Mothman. I'm a fan of. I love Mothman. I can't tell you whether or not it's real. Probably, there's an explanation that isn't. It's encrypted from another dimension. But it's it's a weird one. And I don't know. You know, the thing that this all this stuff just comes comes down to is whether or not Bigfoot exists. I do think that we have a very limited perspective of what reality actually is. And, uh, there's some weird stuff out there about the chupacabra. Well, so there are two. That one's not real. Not, not the Puerto Rican chupacabra is the original. The Puerto Rican chupacabra was sort of a short lived phenomenon, kind of like the Mothman where, I think it was the late 90s, like around 97, 98, there were all these sightings of some scaly green spiked creature that was that was associated with UFO um, sightings well, at the time. It was after an explosion at a military base, right? Wasn't that like the theory? I th- there's that. But there's there's an- also like a woman literally saw like a UFO and then saw this, you know, claimed to see this creature hopping over her fence and running through the fields. And then there was some exsanguated exenu- uh, goats found. And so people were like, this thing's going around draining the blood out of these farm animals. Yeah. That kind of came and went. It was also. They proved that was like flies, right? That they were going in and eating and Interesting. then Interesting. Like- that also coincided with the release of species which Ooh, um natasha henstridge yes in her non-human form she looked a lot like what the chupacabra looked like the puerto rican chupacabra so it may have been uh one of those things where life is imitating art you know uh sort the chupacabra, of chupacabra actually natasha henstridge i mean that there's killing killing goats in puerto yes. rico and then there's the Texas Chupacabra, which uh, the is... The Texas Chupacabra Massacre is how we refer to it. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. The Texas Chupacabra just seems to be coyotes with mange. People see these weird skinny dogs uh, with elongated snouts, and they're like, it's a Chupacabra, and it's just a coyote or a dog with mange. That's yeah. pretty much all I, it is. I remember like a raccoon corpse, like a, a hairless raccoon corpse with mange. came up, and everyone was like, oh, that, that, there it is. Mange throws a lot of crypto armchair cryptozoologists off. There's a famous like n- trail cam video of people thinking is a juvenile Bigfoot bent over at the base of a tree, and it's just a bear with mange. You know, classic Bigfoot. What are you doing being a bear? Mm-hmm. You mangy bear. 
Uh, you know, it's funny too because I went to Puerto Rico around 2009, I want to say, and uh, I was looking for Chupacabra merch, and everyone was like, "What the f- are you talking about?" <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, I feel so stupid." <laughs> like, I was like, "You guys go like Chupacabra shirts?" Yeah. And like, what? No. And I was like, "Well, this seems this is silly. nothing like Eureka, California." Yeah, yeah. This is this is real. We are a gift shop at the base of the rainforest <laughs> where a hundred SUVs are trying to get in. <laughs> we have integrity here. That's right. Speaking of integrity, I don't have any. And that being said, uh, I have a uh, I have a lot of fantastic producers. Uh, Jeff has cool friends at the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jeff has cool friends. And if you sign up for the currently $10 tier, uh, you can have me say your name out loud uh, in here to thank all of my producers. Mike, did you know that? I didn't. That's That's nice. I'm going to read off some names, and you can react however you want. You're allowed to do that. Aren't you lucky? So I would like to shout out, say thank you to the target loss prevention officer currently hunting Jeff. I shoplift M&Ms every time I go to, to Target. Oh, I think That's you should get a little thrill. You might want to talk to your therapist about that. I know why I'm doing it. I don't need therapy <laughs> for it. Uh, Steven, hey, what's over here? Shout out to Mr. <laughs> Billy Beck, Cody Beck. I would like to add shout out to the married couple that are both um, separate patrons of my uh, of my podcast. That is wild. Sorry, my dog started barking during the shout outs. They do that. Uh, they do that. The dog likes the Beck family. What can you say? The dogs. I uh, had to mute the dogs. They got too excited by these names being shouted out. I apologize. <laughs> shout out to Mike Gouts. Shout out to Lisa McCarty at Comics Book Girl in Austin, uh, Texas. Good friend. Just Pivo. Shout out to Dr. DNA and Dr. Video. Shout out and a special thanks to that scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. Uh, shout out to I'm never going to have a history podcast, you little shit, So stop asking. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Mackenzie. Sisyphus may be happy, but he's into CrossFit. So f- chill. Special thanks to Instagram and Twitter's at Bob underscore of underscore skull. Shout out to uh, at Bob underscore of underscore skull for also mailing me the Masters of the Universe Origins Clawful figure. I appreciate that. Ooh, Mikey just perked up on that one. Big He-Man guy. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Dustin Decker couldn't come up with anything clever. Lemming Malloy. Norm from Cheers. Burrito Mouth. Dan Hackroyd. Taurus Bulba. Everyone check out the 1994 comedy, question mark, Twin Sitters, the 90th uh, movie ever made. Shout out to Itty Bitty Millie Committee Pity the Fool that Kelly says, get your booster, you gaslighting dip turds. That's two names that I merged into one, and that's fine. Who's the master? Show enough. Shout out to Lisa Harden. Jessica Robertson, Silius Ruby. Mm. My name is Jeff May, and this is not a Patreon name. This is a truthful confession that I do not like sports. That's not true. How could you do that to me? Michael, how could you do this to me? What? I didn't do anything. Yeah. I, uh, I have a podcast called You Don't Even Like Sports. It's about yes. pod- uh, sports for people that don't like sports. And boy, they like uh, saying that I don't like sports. Shout out to the Digital Phil, the ghost of Dave Thomas. Jolly Brock. Jolly Brock, Brockheimer, no. Jolly Buckaroo in The Last Yeehaw. Aaron Meyer. L got on a plane and did not go to Winnipeg because it doesn't have an airport. Seldo. Oh, sh- Tony Stewart killed the guy is a t-shirt you could make for remarkably cheap on the internet. It was me, Jeff. I've been giving you $10 a month since the beginning so you could afford more gas station Pop-Tarts, keeping you sluggish, just slow enough for me to steal Christmas. Do you get that reference? I don't. I'm sorry. It's the Flash video. It was me, Barry. It's a long story. I'll send it to you. It's great. Shout out to Cronenberger Meister, Cronenberger Meister Meisterberger. You guys are killing my tongue with these names. I love it. Uh, shout out to Where's Clawful? I'm a big Clawful guy. Do you have a, a Masters of the Universe character that's like your guy or girl? I'm a big Mechanic fan. Oh, you're the one. <laughs> that's like being a Cyclops fan. Yeah, in the he is. The, he is the. I actually like Cyclops. Um, let me think. Off the top of, I like Scareglow, the original. I always thought he was cool. I like Spike or Clawful's fine. He's not like my guy. I I, guy. I think Whatever. I'm He's a right Mechanic right behind me. Mechanic, I see him. Uh, Mechanic or Buzz Off probably are my. You know what's funny is I hated Buzz Off when I got him because all of his accessories just didn't work right. 
like his wings when you'd put them out they would always fall back yeah down and his helmet would always fall off and he he didn't like both of his hands were just like little claw hands yep. that couldn't hold anything and i was like i don't know kind of this guy like but that's how i felt i liked it because you could take all those things off and he had different looks yeah that is fair yeah he was a b character that had a b helmet yes that was a b head that was like his friend's head yeah weird uh, weird accessory weirdest toy action figure accessories probably that b helmet the he the he-man world is so wild because they're like yeah, man, we have, uh, here's a demon, and right next to him, his best friend, a robot cowboy. Oh, I'll tell you, yeah, Rio Bravo. I'll tell you who Rio my Blast. favorite He-Man was, uh, Masters of the Universe was, was Roboto. Roboto I was loved Roboto. Roboto was cool. He was, and he he really didn't, I remember reading the book where he befriended Stinkor. Oh, because he couldn't, smell. Uh, he couldn't smell. Yeah. And so he was the only person that could tolerate Stinkor. But then it turns out Stinkor was a bit of a bad dude. And then he had to he fooled Roboto at the time. It's not nice. Uh, shout out to three Jacob Tremblays in a trench coat sneaking into an R rated movie. Uh, <laughs> Parker Ellsworth wants to hear the Kinda song again. I used to work with this guy and we used to sing uh, a song in German uh, that we called uh, children. <laughs> Eating the chocolate. One hand the chocolate, one hand the shit. Got it. I'm glad those are bleeped because that's repulsive. It's great. Christy Salinas, uh, Kale's only true purposes as the garnish at a 1996 Pizza Hut buffet. Shout out to the Pajamarai. Has a new baby. Bad time to become a podcast producer? Not for me, it ain't, Pajamarai. I appreciate you for that. Shout out to the verbose minimalist, Welzowski, Adam Warlock. He wants your soul, Jam. Kruger Bing, formerly known as Krenter. Uh, the local man, at Gavin underscore not. Jeffrey Bezos, the worst Jeff. I feel like Jeff Bezos could have afforded more than a $10 a month subscription. Yeah. Although, uh, the way he spends his money, I don't think so. That guy sucks so hard. <laughs> we should beat that guy up. Kick him in the balls next time I see him. Uh, shout out to Nicholas. Came for the hat. Stayed for the friends. Fabian. I did a hat giveaway. Uh, Michael Wells. Unsee this. Shout out to Ricky Cilantro. Big booty boy for 2069. The most well-prepared dead guy. Jumping rope. Still a sport. Jeff not liking it. Still a fact. Bodacious. Big bad bouncing bollock. Shout out to Jennifer Fendelaner. At AV Foundry. Patrick Dore. Uh, uh, or Dore. I always f*** that up. Sorry, dude. Uh, Bart Fartigan. A Steven propping up a box with a stick. Huey. Nerd numbers. Jeff has comely feet. Does that mean you, they're ugly or that you come on them? I don't know. Uh, Andrew, you don't even like Batman McGuire. Rudy, what's your favorite Pokemon? Rueda. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Pass my time. Same. I mean, I guess I know... I like the one that looks like a creepy magician. That looks like a sex pest magician. Oh. Kadabra or Abra? Yeah, or one of those. He's the one that, because the guy sued him. The the spoon bending guy. He like sued Yuri Pokemon Geller for that. sued yes. Pokemon? God, that yes. guy will do anything for a buck. He sure will. I, I got to go with Pikachu. It's the cutest and most iconic. Yeah. I like that one's just a giant cobra. Yeah. That they just have a giant cobra and they're like, we have this. And he's like, well, this is just a like an anaconda. It's a big snake. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm going to bet on that one. I also like Snorlax because he's just cute. Uh, yeah. What's the uh, Jigglypuff? Is that the Jigglypuff singer? is cute, but dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Sing songs. and put Did you see the um, Detective Pikachu movie? I did not. It's delightful. I liked it a I lot. heard it was good. I have no emotional connection to the IP. Agreed. Uh, shout out to Jeff Hates Competitive Fun, Goji, Gregarious Gregorio, a.k.a. Rad Mummy. Kool-Aid Molotov says Twitter jail sucks, but telling Ted Cruz to fall onto a box of scorpions with poop tip stingers was worth it. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, Gerard, uh, Gerard Ruane. Uh, shout out to Fartholomew Martinez, the fartiest of Martys. Funky J. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Gray man of the nightmare potluck. Everyone is welcome at the table. Jeff uses deep blue sea memes to break bad news. I did do that with Betty White. Sorry, guys. 
Shout out to Tyler Wilgus asking seven. Uh, and in the time since he changed his name on this document, Jezbutt had a kid, got a new job, and got COVID. Dude. That's a busy and, month. Yeah, that's at least two important things. Now, uh, and shout out to, uh, of course, Kimball the Casual Frankenstein. If you want me to do that, head over to patreon.com slash Jeff May uh, and sign up for the producer tier. Yay, good for Now, you. are you shouting out these same people every time or are these newbies? I do, newbies? but they change, they change their name a lot. Some yes. people leave, some people come back. Got it. Uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, it, it's... Things are going to, it's going to be a shift. This seems uh, like like they're just paying 10 bucks a month to abuse you. Isn't that generally what our careers are? I guess it's, yeah, that all tracks, but. It's just a mild amount of abuse. That that was. For a very small amount of money. Just reading those off were, uh, I didn't keep track, but that was at least a $300 gig right there. Just, you should have been paid just to do that. I, I mean, I do. You know, if you look yeah. at there's, I think I have 97 producers at that oh, level. Lord. I don't know if all of them put that. Um, so that's not bad. That's the majority of, of my Patreon. You got to teach me your uh, Patreon secrets. You guys got more Patreon followers than I do. We'll, Bigfoot ta- Collectors we'll Club. talk off camera. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm small. I'm small but mighty uh, in that uh, my Patreon has uh, like, it's like 200 and change. Oh, that's uh, great. Uh, patrons, uh, which is, is all good, but you know, all the other networks that I'm a part of came with like a built-in uh, audience. So it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for me to, to, to do the things when I don't have the audience. Guys, if you're, if you're listening to this show every week, throw a little support Jeff's way. Oh, they He's do. making this oh, they for do. free. They're great. I, I'm, I have a, I have a very uh, small, but fiercely loyal uh, fan base that, that I'm, incredibly appreciative of I'm, I'm it sounds like it i feel like they're gonna turn on me now no everybody likes you you're very likable uh it's it's funny because okay i've accepted that i'm never going to be like the club comic or like the like i'm probably not ever gonna get like a netflix special or anything like that never say never jeff but I've accepted that I have a a very indie sort of cult following. Like a lot of people before I realized that was the case were like you're my favorite indie comedian and I'm like is that what I am? Like it was very it was almost alarming to receive that information. I'm like, "Oh, am I am I like indie? At least they tell you where you where you're at." Yeah. You know I've what I mean? It. Sometimes it's tough as a performer to go, "Okay, where like where am I? Like where do I fall?" In the grand scheme of things, you know, where, who do people think of me more than? And obviously I can name thousands of people they think of me less than, but like, you know what I mean? It's nice to get a little feedback from, from your audience specifically telling you, yeah, this is how, this is how you're perceived. You know? It was, it's really hard for me because we're both nerds. It's, you would not guess how difficult it's been for me to just get accepted by the nerd community because I look like a bastard and, yeah. and people don't trust me. Like I, nerd, I, I like it's, I, I might as well have nerds don't trust anybody. I might as well have devil horns and yeah. I'll be like, no, those are, they're not real devil horn. Like I'm not the devil. I just have these horns. I'm so sorry. Um, it's, it's hard being a nerd who grew up in the eighties and nineties because you know, it was, it was, it was not a compliment or a title of honor back then. And now everyone's like, I'm a nerd. 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 And it's like, no. And so I understand why, you know, like people don't don't like it and don't like other, do you remember I, I, when I was a kid, I was so fiercely protective of my of the things I was into that like my friend and I who read com my my buddy Dave who read comics with me like we were not allowed to collect each other's titles you know what? we could read them we could share them but it was like if he bought an issue of Amazing Spider-Man and I bought an issue of The Incredible Hulk, we were like having an affair with one another's wives. That's how it felt. Really? Yeah, it was, we were very... And then if like somebody else 
in our school started collecting or reading comics, we felt very threatened by that. And I think it's just because our identities at the time were so wrapped up in, were the comic book guys that, you know, other people were doing it. What did that leave us? And I think a lot of nerd culture is that way now where they're like, no, if everybody gets into this, then what does that make yeah. me? Where's my identity? Wait, does Where's that my identity? That, and that that's explain- why they get so angry when shit changes. You yeah. Know? There's that whole thing where like, and I talk about this a lot, but people are like, oh, I was bullied because I'm a nerd. And I'm like, are you sure that's the reason? Because sometimes yeah, it's because you were an ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, it's so funny that you had that experience because I had the exact opposite growing up. Where if we saw a nerd show up, we were like, "Holy, shit, another one of us." You're that's great. I think that's the way it should be. I think we were just so, you know, um, protective of our own identities that we were like, "No, we're the guys who collect comic books and draw, not you." Oh man! And we that- could have had that was like, "Hey, dum dums." Here's a potential friend. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. And, and like, here's a way that you you're not as sad all the time. Follow Jeff's footsteps, not mine, nerds. Uh, my big world. footsteps. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, uh, I want to talk about because you've got a new show that you've just been sharing. I've been seeing it going in there called Slate I Your do. Name uh, with some killer guests that you've had. Thank on. you. Um, yes, I only interview murderers. Yes, yeah, ki- it's real called, killer. It's actually yes. called Slay Your Name, and it's just like list list all the people you murdered, please. <laughs> yeah, Slay and um, name. Here we go. Um, <laughs> that's that'll be like my Halloween month. You know, that's my uh, Simpsons Halloween. Oh, your month Halloween name, horror Slay special, name. yeah. Yeah, so I just started a new show. It's actually an old. It was actually an old idea for a show that I had, I um, and I've just kind of been keeping on the back burner, but it's called Slate Your Name. The title's named after the term for when you audition, you have to slate your name. Hi, I'm Michael McMillan, and usually you follow that with I'm 6'1", if you're as tall as I am, and I'm from L.A., if that's where you're from. So uh, slating is a process that we do when we audition. So I talk to other actors about working in Hollywood and how it drives you crazy or sometimes makes you happy, sometimes being the the key word. Uh, it's just sort of uh, me talking shop with other actors about the ups and downs of the entertainment industry. And it's been really fun. I, after doing Bigfoot Collectors Club for four and a half years now, it's nice to... I, I, I wanted to do that show because I wanted to get out. I wanted to a place away from the industry. I wanted to like not think about work. And so that was really fun and it's been fun. But now I kind of want to go back to return to my roots. Uh, no, but I wanted, I was like, let me talk to, it's It's going to be easier for me to get actors to come on a show and talk about themselves. And it's going to be to like, get on, get on a show and talk about ghosts. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. A themed show is homework. Yeah. Like anytime you have a show where it's a theme, you're like, well, here's the two articles I need you to read. And if you can watch this 20 minute YouTube video yeah, or something like that, like we do that with Tom and Jeff watch Batman, where we're like, do we want to make somebody watch an hour and 20 minute Batman cartoon film and then have to come on and talk about it for two hours? It's a lot yeah. of work. It's well, a lot of work. And then also we've kind of cut back on having guests on BCC because I also feel like it's getting to a point where like our production is taking over the show. When we tell stories of high strangeness, it's now feels I feel guilty that I'm making someone sit and listen to a little radio play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's fun. It's and, a fun and show. No, it's great. It's a fun show, but um But you did I thought, tell me you wanted me on it and then you stopped booking guests immediately. So Oh, pretty much. So no, you'll rude. we'll get you on the show, I promise. Mm. <laughs> we but slate your name. Different situation. Also, there's a lot of emphasis on like starting out. How did you start out? How did you get into this? Why did you want to do this? Do you still want to do this? And then going through their IMDb and looking at early guest star and co-star roles, uh, which are always really fun stories because usually it's like, oh, I was on the finale of The Office. You know what I mean? And what's it like rolling into that uh, situation? Um, or playing like, you know, a waiter on NCIS or something, you know, there's always a fun onset story from people's early careers that, uh, 
that I find fascinating. And I think it's a good show, too, because if you're into, if you want to be doing this, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a performer, you'll get some good advice. And if you have no interest but just want a window into the world of what it's like to work in Hollywood, I feel like it really applies. It's accessible in that way as well. It's just... (laughs) good stories not a bad start too uh as of recording we are uh, f- uh five or six episodes in five in uh we're five in and you uh, your your first episode was with rachel bloom who yep. you worked with on crazy ex-girlfriend uh we see um jana schmeeting is that is yeah jana schmeeting who's the lead on rutherford falls rutherford falls uh malcolm barrett from the boys yep and time. Who else do we have? We Bryce have oh, Bryce Johnson, of course, my co-star from BCC, and Mar- uh, Maria Thayer. Yes, who is unbelievable. No, from so many things. Yeah, she's so great. funny. She her character on Thirty Rock when she yes. played the blind woman that falls in love with Kenneth and then yes. feels his face and rejects yes. him. Yes. Without a doubt, one of the funniest. <laughs> Like uh, slow burn punchlines uh, of the whole episode. No, she's had a show. very uh, charmed uh, career, and um, it's great to talk to her about stuff. And and she's she's really a delightful person to chat with. And and we also have a Patreon, slate your name, the Green Room, where guests will stick around and tell one of their like war stories, funny stories that they you know they they might dine out on. And she told she told a story about a live theater disaster that she witnessed that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, and what then, a, What a great idea to have Patreon-exclusive content available yeah. for only the people that are on Patrons and for those you, the people that listen to shows like Slate Your Name. Yeah, for yeah free, exactly. Which yeah. you're welcome to do. You and should, ours is only know, five bucks a month. I do that too. Yeah, okay. I do that too. You said ten. Okay. Well, I have that's the producer tier. I'm not a psychopath. I'm not gonna. Okay, got it. I'm not gonna demand everybody give me ten dollars a month for a bi-weekly podcast. That's, <laughs> that is ins- that is just outwardly accusatorily wild. I do. You know the the idea of making calling them a producer. That's smart. I mean, that's what they are. And maybe I'll borrow that for Slate Your Name. Like, hey, Dude, 10 bucks a month, you're a producer of the show now. I steal so much from my friends. Totally do it. Like, totally do it. Because I, I, I've stolen so many ideas for Patreon just from people I know. Um, well, it seems to be working, so. Sure. No, it's, <laughs> it's keeping you it's off going, the pole. It's going great. I'm uh, well, No, it's right here. <laughs> this is <laughs> My OnlyFans is next. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, uh, No guys, shame. No shame to... Uh, to uh, people who dance on poles. Definitely check out Slate Your Name, everybody. This is a great podcast. You can get started on the ground floor and hear some of your favorite uh, actors and artists uh, talk about their experiences with Michael McMillan. Yeah, and we got some great people coming up, too. Um, when does this drop? Uh, this drops uh, on Tuesday, April 5th. Okay, so the day you're listening to this, we just or dropped... 12th, or the 12th, we com- Okay, on- okay, well... I'll say this on Tuesday, April fifth. Tuesday, we also drop "Slate Your Name." Uh, Tom Everett Scott will be our guest oh, wow. from that thing you do, and I'm sorry. And like telling some legit, up close and personal Tom Hanks stories. I don't. I don't know who that is. He recently slapped someone at the Oscars. Love his oh, wait. work. Love his work. I. You know what? I got was all week. I got through all week. Of not podcasting, work. not bringing that up, and, and now I just did it, and it'll be out of the conscious by the it's... time this drops. This drops a week early on the Patreon, and then it drops okay. a week later for free. That's why I uh, don't think we're ever gonna forget that. I think it's the only thing we talk about now. Boy, it's sad. I got to tell you, as a comedian, I'm just like maybe learn how to throw a punch and take a punch. Everybody, see, I have a theory that it was a stage slap, that he did actually make contact, but he was trying. I think he got up with the intention that it was a bit, and then it went haywire, and then he doubled down. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, that's, that that works. Um, folks, we're gonna uh, we're leaving the regular episode, Michael. And Bye. I. We're gonna take that off. Uh, we're gonna take off. If you are a patron, stick around because we've got some Patreon exclusive uh, material, sort of like the green room at Slate Your Name. Check out That's the Slate right. Your Name podcast wherever podcasts are found, uh, courtesy of Campfire Media, of course, as well as uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club. That one, uh, four years in, right? 
You said four, four and a half. Four and a half years in. Definitely check that out if you are a Cryptid fan. I don't know how you missed out on this show, but it is delightful. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes myself just to enjoy. Uh, super great. Thank you. Um, so, Michael, uh, anything uh, aside from Slate Your Name and Bigfoot Collectors Club that Just you want people to look out for? follow me over on Instagram. It's the only place I hang out on social media, uh, mostly McMills. promoting my podcast, uh, podcasts uh, at McMills, uh, M-C-M-I-L-L-Z-Z. That'll be it. Thank per- you. Perfect. And you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Hey There Jeffro. Uh, such an easy name to remember. You can also check out my other shows, uh, such as uh, Gamefully Unemployed's Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, as well as You Don't Even Like Sports and Unpopular Opinion, both on the Unpops Network. You can also listen on the Patreon if you're not a member. Come on over. We got a monthly show with uh, Kim Crawl, Ugh Fine, where we we just uh, finish up and talk about our month. It's a whole thing. Uh, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting. If you are in the East Coast, I will be making several appearances uh, doing live performances uh, April 14th at Redemption Rock Brewing in Worcester, Massachusetts, as well as a couple other spots that I should have announced by the time you got this. Hey, see you later. Thank you all. Say goodbye to the people that listen to for free. Goodbye. Thank you, freebies. Hey everyone, our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.